Five o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In five, four, three, two, one. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Welcome in to the Patch Johnson Show. Producer Ben Barm filling in for the P-Man who's taking some much-deserved vacay during the bye week. I'm joined by my man, Producer D-Rock on one, the ones and twos, Derek Alcorn. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing good, buddy. How are you? I don't believe you. Intern Courtney standing by. What's up, Courtney? Always in a good mood. Having a good time. Up, oh, she's about to come on mic. I didn't tell her to. Hello. Go sit down. I'm, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Got a fun bunch here as we're filling in for the P-Man. Lots to get into over the weekend. EC, of course, fell in a heartbreaker to UCF. Uh, Panthers kind of did the same to the Eagles. Um, it's a lot of negatives, but there's also a lot of positives. We'll get into that for our weekend winners and weekend worse. I found a way to get more winners than worse when it comes to a very uh, not not a fun weekend in terms of sports, at least for for my teams, Panthers and the Panthers and the Pirates. So. We'll get into that a little bit later on. Jim Zoki joining us. Second segment coming up. Uh, plenty to break down when it comes to the Panthers. A lot of things said in the press conference earlier today. We'll get into that. But first, I have a few takeaways from the ECU-UCF game. I think we all. And uh, I kind of want to dispel a few uh, things that are being said out there and uh, don't really make a lot of sense. Uh, let's start with this hot take. I, I, I don't understand where it's coming from. It seems to be kind of the new hot take on Facebook and the forums and everything and what you hear from even some media outlets around the uh, around the, the town right now. So let's get right into it. Um, people believe the defense blew that ball game for us. And I'm, not, I'm absolutely not going to stand for this. In the fourth quarter when UCF was down 16 to 13, they were driving, and they decided to go for it on fourth and eight. They had to, of course. Blake Harrell decides to rush only three Pirates on that play, and the Knights able to get a 12-yard pass off for a first down. Yeah, that was a bad call on Blake Harrell's part. No, I mean, make – no, there's no Pirate report yet, D-Rock. Settle down. Make no mistake about it, that was a bad call. Especially considering the fact that the basis of this defense under the Blake Harrell era of this defense is heavily relying on the blitz. I agree that was a bad call and did end up costing us the game, but make no mistake about it, the defense also kept us in this game and set up opportunities that the offense, time and time again, couldn't capitalize on. I mean, you watched that game, D-Rock. I mean, can you agree with that? I only watched the first half, so I don't want to, like, jump in. Like, I have have a whole lot of say on what should have and should not have been called. I'm just going to say that I was very, very disappointed. Yeah, especially in the offense. Offense just couldn't get it done. Get this. The Pirate defense was on the field roughly 11 times on Saturday. Nine out of 11 of those UCF drives, the Pirate defense was able to hold UCF to either a field goal or to a punt. Out of UCF scoring drives, two of those 11 were touchdowns, two of those 11 were field goals. Do the math. 11 total UCF drives, right, D-Rock? Minus four UCF scoring drives leaves seven drives where the Pirate defense got a big stop you want to know how many of those seven stops ECU's offense was able to capitalize and get a touchdown? You want to take a guess, D-Rock? Four. 
Mm. They got one touchdown. The 27-yard grab by Audio Matosho for a Pirate touchdown in the third quarter was the only time the Pirates capitalized with a touchdown on a big stop. So the defense clearly played well enough to win. You can't settle for field goals or quick three and outs on offense against UCF, even without their stud starting quarterback, Looks Dylan like Gabriel. Now getting that out of the way, and uh, D-Rock, you all right in there? <laughs> I-, I got this Lions thing pulled up, uh, got, and uh, YouTube really, really likes its ads. We got people ringing the doorbells and all kinds of stuff going on. But moving on, now that we got that out of the way, talking about the defense, the Donnie K criticism, the offensive coordinator for ECU, the criticism against him is completely valid. Down to our third right tackle, I believe. We know the O-line was an issue, and clearly no adjustments have been made to scheme or work around it. Maybe this is a Holton issue, but it does kind of fall on Donnie K. But the tight ends were barely utilized, and instead of trying to find ways to get the ball out of Holton's hands quickly, he keeps forcing the ball up the field in a close ball game time and time again for incompletions. Didn't make much sense to me whatsoever. Why not utilize your running backs more of the backfield on the pass game? Give Holton that safe check down option. Get this. We threw to our running backs four times in that game. Three of those to Rajay Harris for a combined 30 yards and one to Keaton for 14. So it's clear to me these running backs can be effective in the pass game and help, hold, help Holton get the ball out more quickly. Heck, I'll take a bubble screen or something. Just find a way to get the ball out of his hands as quickly as possible because the line is not going to give him any time. Also, how about in the third quarter? We sustained a great long drive for once. We finally did it. We were looking pretty good. We did exactly what the game plan was, what Mike Houston said the game plan was, and that was we wanted to keep the UCF offense off the field as much as possible, and we were doing that at that point. We get to the red zone. First and goal, Rajay Harris, run for five yards. Second and goal, Harris run for no yards. Third and five, Mason Garcia gets thrown out there. At this point, every team in the conference, including the fans, know what's about to happen. We've already seen it, what, D-Rock, twice this year? I mean, maybe even three times? I've lost count. And guess what? Mason Garcia goes, he takes the ball, he goes for a little rush there, thinking he's going to find the end zone, gets tackled for no yards. Pirates settle for a field goal, probably the most uncreative play calling in the red zone you'll ever see. I'm not going to go as far as the call for Donnie's job or anybody else's. I do like Donnie K. He's shown at times, obviously this year, that he can get that offense clicking, look back to the two-lane game, uh, look back to, I don't know, whatever other game. I don't know. I just, I'm tired of talking about this offense and its inefficiencies, but it's clear something is going on and it needs to be fixed. And now during this bye week, there's a lot of kinks to work out on that clunky, awkward offense. I mean, Holt just doesn't look comfortable in that offense. I mean, can we agree on that? Like, he just doesn't look right. I don't think he's looked comfortable for a little while now. I agree, yeah. I mean, just clearly something isn't right. And uh, I, I don't know why he just doesn't run the ball sometimes. Like, sometimes you can tell, like, Holton used to get criticism for running the ball where he didn't need to. And now there's clear, clear-cut clear times where he needs to run the ball and like the, the just the options, the weapons, the receivers are not there. They're not getting open. Just take the run, and he refuses to do it. He'll force a bad throw. 
So I don't know if somebody's telling him to limit his running running ability or rushing ability on that staff, but uh, something's got to change, especially during this bye week. Last up, I know people want to dog on Holton, which is fine. Uh, fair enough. I get it. He has to be a better for a guy who's in his fourth year, and he goes out there and still looks like he's a first, second-year player. But I'll give him the benefit of the doubt in this game. UCF is still a very good defense. His offensive line is clearly banged up and not playing up to par. Somebody on that staff clearly didn't make the necessary adjustments. We've already talked about that. Holton didn't make the best decision when it came to, you know, instead of running the ball for a first down on what I believe was a third down in the red zone, he decided to throw it to C.J. Johnson in the end zone for an incompletion. That ball would have that would have never been there. C.J. would have never been able to catch that ball. But all that aside, what I haven't heard a lot of is one guy being held accountable. And no, it isn't Rajay or Keaton who, despite the fumbles, were able to string along a nice game and are easily the two most consistently good players in our offense. And that's saying a lot for our offense. But uh, one guy who really needs to be held accountable, especially by this coaching staff, or needs to be challenged to be better like we know he can be, and that's the guy I just mentioned, C.J. Johnson. That's supposed to be our ex guy. I get that one Holton playing the red zone wasn't on him, but where has he been before this game? Through six games, he's been held to under 50 yards. Excuse me, I got that wrong. Just six games, he's had 16 catches for 217 yards and a touchdown. In six games, he's been held to under 50 yards. Then we really got a problem. There's no sugarcoating it. But for those six games, he was held to under 50 yards and not a single touchdown. The other two, he had 52 yards against Tulane, no touchdown, and 92 against Charleston Southern and a tutty. This guy was supposed to be our best receiver, the X factor in our offense. He just hasn't been that. I mean, it's that plain and simple. When's the last time we've heard his name? In Saturday's game, no catches for no yards. I'm not kidding. Was not a factor. I mean, come on. He's steadily been downgrading year after year since his freshman year. I uh, honestly don't know what's going on with him. I'm not going to call for his head or anything. At the end of the day, he is a kid. But uh, he needs to step up. And the coaching staff needs to start challenging him and holding him accountable in practice uh, during this bye week. Hopefully that gets done. I mean, it's got to be that. I mean, what else could it be, D-Rock? When your ex-receivers, I mean, he's just not getting it done. I mean, he literally had zero catches for zero yards in that game against UCF. He could have been a difference maker, but obviously what? Well, wasn't wasn't anything whatsoever. You can bring guys up like Ryan Jones, Shane Calhoun, et cetera, et cetera, but CJ is supposed to be an established guy that you can depend on from game to game, regardless of the opponent, and he just hasn't been that since his freshman year. Something's got to change, and I think that also kind of that the blame kind of relies on um, or falls on Donnie K there. I mean, a guy that used to be a star in your offense is just not getting it done. And, I mean, something needs to change. Either you bench him or something needs to be done in practice where you – I just – I don't know. Obviously, there's some issues with the team, but let's keep it in perspective. Close game. We're 3-3. Three and three. We got a bye week to work things out. Got a tough game coming back against Houston. Well, you'll have a stretch after that where you play South Florida, Temple, Memphis, and Navy – all four of those teams are kind of struggling a little bit. Who knows how each will be at that point in the season, 
I honestly believe ECU, despite what those teams' records would be at that point in the year or who they beat, I still think ECU is better than at least three out of four of those teams and has a chance to win all of those. It's still not out of the realm of possibility that we can get to six or seven wins and find ourselves in a bowl game, which leads me here to my Pirate Report. Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Head coach Mike Houston, obviously disappointing, disappointed in the loss to the UCF Knights. Here was his reaction to the loss in the post-game press conference. And you're getting ready to take control of the game and then you drove back down. It's just I, I wish we could have gotten, you know, wish we could have gotten some, uh, some more points out of those drives. I mean, I really thought we drove the ball well. Um, but, you know, they're just you know, hats off to UCF. I mean, they made they made the plays there uh, in the fourth quarter to win the game, and just uh, I hate I hate that there had to be a loser. Mike Houston went, then went on to say that, that's, that this team can compete in this conference, and I think the uh, the stats and the scores will show that uh, that is the case. Yeah, I thought our secondary played right with them. Uh, you know, I think I think our skill on offense is is right there with them, and that's you know I, I know Dylan Gabriel didn't play tonight. But, you know, those other kids out there are the same kids that we've played against for several years. And it's, you know, uh, I, I feel like our team is right there with, with everybody else in this league. And, you know, we're going to have a great chance to, to get a win, you know, week after next. It's not going to be easy. It's going to, we're going to have to go down there and we're going to have to fight. And it's going to be against a very talented Houston team. But we're going to have a lot of games like this down the road. we got a great chance to win them. And how I interpret this third and final cut is basically this team right now doesn't know how to finish games. They don't really know how to win close games. Uh, Mike Houston talks a little bit about that. We've got a good football team. We're going to have a lot of games like this in this conference where it's going to come down to the last drive. This is, this is a tough league. And, uh, you know, I told, I told the kids we were down here two years ago, it was 35-7 at the half. Um, you know, it's, we've got a good football team. And... Uh, you know, the, the good thing is is, is, is is these kids, they play the game the right way. They play hard. They play with heart and intensity. And, you know, it's just got to, you know, got to gotta make those plays there and those, uh, you know, closing moments to win those games. And that's, the, you know, UCF made the plays and we didn't. What I got away from that is even though UCF is not necessarily what's, what they once were, I mean, they'll tell you they were the 2017 national champions. But, um, I mean, it's still pretty clear, even a program that's on the downtick, still a very good program, but not what they once were. They know how to win those games and those close ones, especially against a team that just hasn't – they're not there yet. They're not there yet. As much as we want to sugarcoat it and as much as we want to think, this is a team that might be bowl-ready. I'm not sure if we're quite there yet. We can we can get there, but it, nothing's guaranteed right now. Nothing's guaranteed. And uh, I think Mike Houston kind of – revealed that there a little bit if you're reading between the lines I think what he was trying to say is UCF is a team that in the final minutes can make the big plays and find a way to win and ECU's not necessarily there yet it'll come with time but they're just not there all right time out when we return Panthers radio network's Jim Zoki was on the call for the Panthers disappointing we're talking losses still 21 to 18 loss to the Eagles here to put things in perspective Robbie Anderson unhappy with the organization, preparations for a McCaffrey return, all that and much more on the other side of this quick break here on the Patrick Johnson Show. (laughs) 
This is Jim Zoki with the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. I'll be talking the latest on the Panthers and around the NFL next on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game and 94.3thegame.com. The Jolly Roger has set sail. Breaks a tackle. He's in the 10 to the 5. He's in. Touchdown, Pirates. Pirates football. At the 18-yard line. And the Pirates after block. Is back. Picked up by the Pirates. And it's a touchdown for ECU. Tune in for all the hard-hitting action all season long on your home for East Carolina football. The flagship for the ECU Pirates. 94-3, the game. Before your next fishing trip, head to Greenville Marine Outdoor Shop. Just outside of Greenville on Marine Drive, Greenville Marine Outdoor Shop has one of the largest inventories of rods, reels, and fishing tackle in the area, plus accessories to help make your next trip a success. Greenville Marine Outdoor Shop also has hunting accessories, equipment, and sportsmen on staff to answer your questions. Whether you need hunting, fishing, clothing, or other supplies, make Greenville Marine Outdoor Shop your one-stop destination. Open Monday through Friday to 5 and Saturday to 1230. I'm here in the studio with Lance Clark of Bill Clark Homes, one of the largest home builders in eastern Carolina. And much of the concentration has been right here in their hometown of Greenville and Pitt County. Lance, you guys have been doing this a long time. Yes, we have, Henry, and I appreciate it. Uh, last year, we celebrated our 40th anniversary, which we're extremely proud of. And we are and have always been family owned and operated. Lance, uh, tell us why a homeowner would choose Bill Clark Homes to build their home. Well, one thing that we do that we're really proud of is we like to make the customer part of the process. We have our own design department where we draw our own plans so you can modify and make the house the way you would like it. And another thing is we have a one-stop shop design center with two professional decorators to guide you through that process. So, Lance, what's the price range that you focus on at Bill Clark Homes? Right now, our houses are from 160 all the way up to 500000 and we have those houses in most school districts all around Greenville and Pitt County. For more information, contact BillClarkHomes.com. This is Tim Sutton with Greenville Auto World. When it comes to vehicle maintenance, we know you have a lot of options. It's hard to find a reliable and honest auto repair shop. That's where we come in. Greenville Auto World with a commitment to providing our customers with honest quality service at reasonable prices. Greenville Auto World has one of the most state-of-the-art repair facilities available in eastern North Carolina. Our technology, education, expertise provides you with the best care imaginable. For an appointment, call us at Greenville Auto World on Charles Boulevard at 364-8730. Did you know 80% of North Carolina's harvest is made into food products in other states? That's why food scientists at NC State are partnering with industry and government to turn local crops into North Carolina products, creating new opportunities for our farmers and businesses and adding jobs in rural communities. At NC State, what we think and do grows our economy from seed to supermarket. Discover how we're growing new food opportunities. Visit wegrownc.ncsu.edu. Every Monday during the football season, join me, Jim Zoki, as I talk Carolina Panthers football and the latest from the NFL with Patrick Johnson right here on 94.3 The Game, Eastern North Carolina's home for sports. More of the Patrick Johnson Show right now. Welcome back into the Patrick Johnson Show. Ben Byron filling in for the P-Man. D-Rock on the ones and twos. Intern, intern Courtney filling in. We're standing by. I don't know what she's doing. 
Anyways, Panther Talk tonight at 7 on our sister station, 103.7 WTIB. Tune in as Jim Zoki and Mick Mixon, the voices of the Carolina Panthers, talk the Cats lost to the Eagles yesterday. And we are now joined by or, and are joined by Panthers head coach Matt Rule. Now we are joined by our man Jim Zoki. Jim, where do we start with this? Panthers lost 21-18 to to the Eagles at home, now fall to 3-2. and two. Sam Darnold was bad. The pass blocking was really bad, especially among the interior. Not the best game for punter Joseph Charlton, not factored in. The, black, the blocked punt, which I don't think was his fault. Robbie Anderson had a rough day, and so on and so on. You can go on and on. To fill anybody in who didn't watch that game or who might have missed it, if you can pinpoint what went wrong for the Panthers yesterday, what would it be? Uh, well, Ben, you hit a lot of them. I think you have to start with the offensive line is probably the most obvious thing the past two weeks, really, because Darnold's now taken, I think, 19 hits, eight yesterday, uh, three more sacks yesterday. Uh, but just under duress, I think what we've seen with Sam Darnold, just like he was with the New York Jets, if you protect him, he can be very accurate, he can be very good, and be very confident. Uh, but when he gets under duress, he starts to make some bad decisions and some bad throws, and uh, obviously it just doesn't help anybody. So I think um, – you know, moving forward, you know, they just got to figure it out as far as the, especially the interior offensive line, pass protection, because they ran the ball obviously well yesterday with Chuba Hubbard. That was probably the bright spot was, you know, Chuba going over 100 yards rushing in his start uh, yesterday. But uh, overall, the defense I thought played well, just couldn't finish it out uh, as far as that part of the game went. And you mentioned the special teams. Charlton's not been as good this year overall, but obviously they had a blocking scheme issue uh, where they came right up in the middle, and that was a huge play, a game changer. Uh, with the block so kind of all three phases let them down at one point or another now Jim Matt Rule said something in a press conference earlier today that I do take a little issue with and I want to get your thoughts on it he says that everyone is going to ask about the offense today but with the players we have on defense we have the lead in the fourth quarter we should never lose now I'm not sure how you feel about it Zoke but it seemed like the defense was constantly setting up opportunities for the offense yesterday and kind of like what's going on with ECU the Panthers offense couldn't capitalize even to the point where the defense got a safety and put points on the board. And if I remember correctly, I don't think the offense did come away with any points after that safety. So let's say you, Zoke, what do you make of Matt Rule's statement about the defense there, and do you agree with what he said? I think what he's trying to do is build a culture of they win and lose as a team and they all finger point. And so I think what he's trying to do as a coach is not worry so much about what the fans or Twitter or broadcasters say, but you know, build in that locker room that there's going to be certain weeks where the defense is going to have to lift you up, and there'll be certain weeks where the offense has to lift you up, and, and more may be asked of you than normal. Like you could be good, or you could be uh, a minus, but we need an A plus today. So he, what he's saying is, you know, if you've got the lead in the fourth quarter, with the, they've invested heavily on that defensive side, talent-wise, that you know they of, of what is great, you expect greatness, and so I think he was just saying that that we, without saying it out loud, the offensive line is not our strength, so we know there's going to be issues there. But the defense is supposed to be really, really good. So if we need to stop, we need to stop, and you've got to uh, just do that. And um, and we had the uh, uh, Zoom press conferences today. Morgan Fox was on there, and he said sometimes you know, you know greatness is required of you when, you know, when the chips are down, essentially. And so you've got to make that extra special play. So I think that's all he was trying to do. I don't think he was trying to say the defense is why they lost. But he's just saying this is a shared thing. There were other ways we could have won this game. Uh, obviously, offense and special teams, but – you know, the defense also could have been special and maybe made something happen that could help them just you know get by and just win the game this week. Now, Jim, obviously the big story surrounding the Panthers right now is still kind of Christian McCaffrey 
Is he a full go for next week against Minnesota, or they've been hesitant to announce a full go with him? What's the current injury status of McCaffrey? He, uh, he'll never address anything until Wednesday, but it feels like this will be the week he comes back. Christian was talking pretty optimistically last week, and I think they were right to with a hamstring injury based on how those go with players, uh, especially a running back, to, to give that an extra week to make sure, and you don't want to you know, lose him for another three or four weeks to start all over again. So it feels that way. And then they released Rodney Smith today. So that makes you think, okay, well, they've got Chuba Hubbard. they got Royce Freeman. Uh, they made that move early in the week with Rodney Smith. So sounds like, to me, at least as far as what it looks like trending-wise, I would expect, barring a setback in practice, uh, that McCaffrey should be uh, very optimistic about playing this week. That's good to hear, and that kind of leads me to my next question here. If there was a bright spot, kind of like you mentioned earlier on the offense, it was the rookie Chuba Hubbard, probably our most effective player in that game on offense. Rushed for 101 yards on 24 carries, receiving along, had 33 yards receiving along with that. Excuse me. Now, with that being said, and now they kind of see what they have with Chuba. Do you think this staff will kind of learn from their mistakes with the whole Mike Davis debacle and realize it would probably benefit all parties involved if we just somewhat limit limit McCaffrey's snaps just a bit to prevent injury issues? Because we have something with this kid Hubbard. Or do you anticipate kind of the same old, same old workload-wise with CMC? What, how do you think they're going to manage CMC's workload coming into this game against the Vikings? Yeah, I think it depends on the game. So if you're in the fourth quarter, are you going to do load management or are you going to try to win the game and worry about a pitch count? So I think it's going to depend. If he's cleared to go, he's cleared to go, and he'll play. And I think if it's you know something where they're comfortably in the lead, uh, then you can you know, bring in Chuba more often. But I would think during the course of the game, uh, before you get to that point, that you would see more confidence in them putting Chuba out there to play. So I do. I do think you'll see more of a little bit more of a, maybe not one-two punch, but a little bit more of seeing the backup running back out there. And um, But again, though, if you get into that fourth quarter, you know, your best players out there, that's why you see Jalen Hurts, you know, keeping the ball and as their Eagles quarterback was and, and running it on those zone reads is, you know, at that point you're, you're trying to win the game. So if it's a tight game, uh, no more load management or counting touches. You got to have McCaffrey out there, I would think. Fair enough. Jim, not the best game for Robbie Anderson. Had a case of the dropsies as well. And he did have some bad balls thrown his way. I will give him that. But he was targeted 70 times. Only, I mean, seven times. Jesus, 70. Only two catches for 30 yards. <laughs> also, factor in that he voiced his frustrations to the point he was caught on the broadcast yelling at a coach on the sidelines. He claims that things couldn't really get going because they kept kind of running the same routes and the Eagles defensive backs were just sitting on them the whole time. Even Steven Nelson kind of confirmed this in a press conference that, yeah, my, my pick came off of me knowing they were going to run the same plays and we were just sitting on them the whole time. And next thing you know, the ball comes up in my hand. So given Robbie's frustrations, this may be jumping the gun or an overreaction, but I do think it's kind of a valid question. Robbie hasn't been much of a factor this year in general. Doesn't really seem to fit in this offense this year, which makes the whole extension kind of puzzling. What do you make of Robbie's frustrations, and do you anticipate kind of like last year, him getting kind of shot around before the deadline, or does the extension kind of prevent that? No, I think it's just a matter of getting everybody in sync. This was a game yesterday where nobody had more than 42 yards. You mentioned he had 30. You know, DJ Moore had 42, and that was the most of anyone. We only had 177 passing yards. So the whole passing game yesterday was out of whack. And from what Matt Rule was asked about in the press conference today, what Robbie was calling for was something with a double move. Well, guess what? You can't really have time to develop when you don't have pass protection that you got to understand as a football team is that, yeah, you'd like to run a deeper route with a double move. We can't hold them back long enough to develop that route right now. So it's a little bit of 
you know, the coaching staff, you got to kind of you know, be a good soldier and run the play that you're being told because you don't see what's happening back at the line of scrimmage, which is your quarterback's getting his, his hat handed to him back there because he doesn't have time to set up and wait uh, for you to develop a double move downfield. So I get his frustration. Like you said, there were times where he could have caught the ball. There were times uh, that third down throw late where Sam could have delivered it better to get it to him at the sticks. Um, so, again, things are a little bit out of whack, a little bit out of sync for whatever reason. But uh, I, I don't think we have to decide everything in the first four or five games of the season as far as everyone's future goes with that. No, I completely agree. I know Robbie kind of fancies himself as a deep threat kind of guy, but with the offensive line we have right now, we got to get the ball out of Darnold's hands quickly, and he's just not going to get those deep routes like he wants them, and he's not going to really get into sync like he's used to. So, I mean, it makes complete sense to me from both sides. Uh, moving on. As we get ready for Minnesota, what's kind of your personal scouting report or preview for that game? What aspects should the Panthers be concerned about? What areas should they excel in? Take it away, Zoak. Well, it's a you know a team that's hard to figure. They're two and three. They barely beat the Lions, but you look at those receivers and with Jefferson and Thielen, they're very dangerous. I uh, love we'll to see on the health of Dalvin Cook moving forward uh, because they had the backup and yesterday played very well at over 100 yards Mike rushing. Mattinson. and Kirk Cousins like, gets gets a lot of uh, flack. Uh, because of his contract, but he's not a bad quarterback. It's just people look at what he makes financially and try to equate that to him or his vaccination stands or whatever. So to me, it's a dangerous team. It's not a great team, but it's the kind of game that if you're a Panthers fan, you, know, you expect to win. I think you expect to win the Philadelphia game yesterday, and you didn't. Uh, so this is another one of those games where you're playing a, somewhat of a mediocre NFC opponent, and uh, it's a game that if you're going to be a good team, uh, you expect to win games like that at home coming up this week. Thanks a lot, Jim. Always a pleasure. My favorite guest. You got it, Ben. You're my, one of my favorite hosts. There we go. I love, it. I, I love it. I love to hear it. One of my favorite hosts. All right. Take it easy, my friend. All right, buddy. All right. See you later. Panther, tonight, Panther Talk tonight on our sister station, 103.7 WTIB. That's coming your way at 7. Uh, Matt Rule slated to join the broadcast, all that and much more. In the meantime... Coming on the other side of this quick timeout, weekend winners, weekend worst, plenty to talk about. I'm going to try to keep it positive, get us back on a positive note next here on the Patrick Johnson Show. The pitch. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up. That ball is gone. On your flagship home of Pirate Baseball. 94.3 The Game. We paid how much for those lessons? She's doing great. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, can you pass me a Pepsi Zero Sugar? Great job, honey! Oh. Oh, look at that. That's not the end. No way. Now, it's time for the encore. You know what? You're right. Five times? Not enough times. For everyone who traded in rock concerts for their kids' recitals, you've compromised enough. Pepsi Zero Sugar. That's what I like. Here is your ice-cold Pepsi Zero Sugar, sir. Oh, thanks. Wanna watch the game? Ooh, little sports ball on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> Don't mind if I do. Hey, did we win? I, it, it sounds like we won. It's still the first quarter. I must be lucky. People say that about me. Tough break on that free throw there. Shouldn't be doing that. Dude, we're watching football. Come on. For everyone who spent the entire game explaining the entire game, you've compromised enough. Pepsi Zero Sugar. That's what I like. <sighs> 
Chico's Mexican restaurant is the home of the best margaritas. Grab your amigos and head to Chico's every Tuesday for the Gulp of Mexico, a huge 46-ounce lime margarita for only $6.99. On Thursdays, relax and enjoy half-priced pitchers of Chico's house margaritas. Choose from lime, strawberry, blood orange, raspberry, or peach. For Mexican food and fun, it's got to be Chico's in downtown Greenville and now available through DoorDash, featuring a half-gallon of the famous margarita mix to go for only $9.99. Chico's, where the fiesta never ends. Time now for an update from Town Insurance. I've got my friend Jim Clement in the studio with me. Jim, great to see you. What's new at Town Insurance? What's new, Henry, is our growth in this state. We have now exceeded $60 million in revenue with 300 employees over both states, Virginia and North Carolina. But North Carolina, our footprint goes from Corolla down to Wilmington to Kinston, Greenville, Raleigh, and our newest operation in Charlotte. So, Jim, what does that mean for all of your clients and uh, friends in eastern North Carolina? Because of town's massive resources, meaning access to more companies and markets, we are able to serve all of our clients right here in eastern North Carolina with their personal lines, their commercial lines, their life and health needs, or their small business needs. We continue to hear more and more about town insurance, and uh, it's great to have you in here giving us an update today. How about people who aren't doing business with you right now in eastern North Carolina? What would you say to them? Come to town today. What's the telephone number? 756-8300. Watch out! The galaxy is safe once again. In the pretend universe, kids play with pretend guns. In the real world, it's up to us to make sure they don't get their hands on a real gun. If you have a gun in the house, keep it locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Safe gun storage saves lives. Learn how to make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. That's nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. Podcasts about the Pirates and Panthers are available. Sorry about that. I screwed it up. Let me do it again. Podcasts about the Pirates and Panthers available now online at the all-new 943thegame.com. And now, back to the P-Man, the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Welcome back into the Pat Johnson Show. Ben Byron filling in for the P-Man. D-Rock on the ones and twos. Intern Courtney standing by. Now let's get into a little segment. One of my personal favorites that I like to call Weekend Winners, Weekend Worst. It's time for Weekend Winners. Yes, I win! Game over! I win! And the Weekend's Worst. Worst day of my life? What do you think? Here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Let's start for winner. Let's do the college football lineup as a whole over the weekend. You're a winner. Weekend winner. One of the more exciting weekends in recent history, despite the fact the Pirates fell short. But uh, let's start. I mean, you look at these slate of games. Old Miss and Arkansas, two ranked opponents in the SEC. Old Miss wins by a point, 52 to 51. Uh, let's see, I'm looking at Oklahoma-Texas. That came down to the final play in a rivalry game and a neutral site game. That was really good, also between two ranked opponents. And uh, Oklahoma, it seems like every every week are surviving a scare. I know your boys up there in uh, Michigan who we're going to beat in 2023 are uh, doing pretty well right about now. I think they're in the top ten. I think I'm excited. I think I, I, think I have to stay at ECU longer just to see that game. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how long that lasts with old Harbaugh there. I'm sure he'll... They'll be preaching that they're going to be in the college football playoffs, and then the next thing you know, it all falls apart. Typical Michigan. 
Uh, let's see, Boise State upsets BYU 26-17. to BYU was ranked 10th, which I haven't really kept up with BYU this year, but, I mean, they were ranked 10th. Jeez, I didn't – I mean, who would have known? I, I didn't I, – I sure I sure didn't. I mean, BYU 10th? All right. I mean, I guess. Then moving on to the American, SMU and Navy. I mean, SMU survives a near upset against Navy. They win 31-24. to SMU now undefeated – and ranked 24th. They're not the only ranked undefeated team in the uh, conference right now. And then here's the big one. Iowa-Penn State. Iowa wins, barely wins, 23-20 to coming into that game. Iowa's ranked third nationally. Penn State was ranked fourth. And um, this is kind of going to lead me to my next weekend winner. Go ahead and cue it up, D-Rock. You're a winner. Weekend winner. Iowa is beatable. I think Iowa's ranked second right now. Cincinnati's ranked fourth or third. Look, I'll put it this way. Iowa's offense is just not good. I mean, Penn State quarterback Sean Clifford, I mean, they were literally – Penn State was an injury away. If Sean Clifford was healthy, Penn State would have won that game. I mean, that that was the difference from them being a top-five team coming in today. Iowa's offense is just inefficient. And I really think Cincinnati's pretty much got a college football playoff spot on lock. It's now theirs to lose. They got to win out. They already got the game against Notre Dame. That put everybody on notice. Um, In South Bend, they went down to South Bend and beat them pretty good. About as good as you will beat Notre Dame. And uh, it's their spot to lose now. I don't anticipate Iowa staying in that top five for long. Then outside of that, who are you looking at? Alabama. Alabama lost. That's a big one. That was a good game. That was a good game. Alabama lost. Oklahoma, I mean, they're on the cusp of being beat. Every week, it seems like it's getting really close. It's only a matter of time. So, things are shaking up. The only consistent team seems to be Georgia. Georgia seems to be the only kind of constant there, or the only consistent team. So, I think Cincinnati's got this on lock. They just can't lose it. The only case where I would take – Cincinnati not being in the college football playoffs is if they lose the ECU, I'll take that in a heartbeat. That would be awesome. Moving on, how about somebody who can be on this list every week, it seems like, for the past 100 years? Weekend worst. You blew it! Weekend worst. The Detroit Lions. With 37 seconds in the fourth quarter, Lions running back DeAndre Swift had a seven-yard touchdown to make it a 17-16 Detroit lead. But, of course, the Vikings were able to drive down the field with 37 seconds left, get themselves in field goal range, and Greg Joseph, kicker of the Vikings, was able to nail a 54-yard field goal as time expired to win the game 19-17. The Lions are now 0-5 and have been in pretty much almost every ball game they've played in this year. And once again, they fell short. The loss got to the Lions so bad that head coach Dan Campbell was visibly shaken in the press conference after the game and was in tears. This is not a joke, by the way. This happened. D-Rock, do we got that audio? When you you see your players give all that they have and, uh, and you lose that way, it's tough. You know, you don't want that for them. So, 
I've had enough, D-Rock. I've had enough. But we'll be back. Jeez. Guy went to saying that the team would be biting kneecaps and talking all this junk before the year. This could be a different Lions team to crying in post-game press conferences. Jeez. It is a different team to give them that. It, hey, it, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, at least the Lions were at least good for about three, four wins a year. We'll see if they get there this year. I think they will, actually. I mean, I'm, I'm really harping on the Lions here, and it's, 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 it's easy to, like, make fun of the Lions and get on the Lions, but, I mean, I do see improvement there. They're in just about every game, it seems like, against teams that are contenders. So, I mean, I, I'll, I'll give it to Dan Campbell, but you got to find a way to win games. Much like ECU, you got to find a way to close games. I mean, 37 seconds left in the fourth quarter, uh, you got the lead. That should be a given. That should be a lock right there if your defense is not good enough. And Dan Campbell, I believe, is supposed to be a defensive guy. If I'm not mistaken, I might have that wrong, but, I mean, it's – just the lines. What else can you say? Now to a weekend winner. Let's get that out of the way. You're a winner. Weekend winner. Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, three. We're talking boxing here. One of the greatest heavyweight trilogies you will ever see. I get it. I mean, there, I'm sure there's some in history that you can bring up. That's why I'm saying one of the greatest. I'm not going to say the greatest. One of. But, yes, I mean, it's it's a breath of fresh air to get something like that in boxing nowadays. Especially where privy to the old Jake Paul comes in and breaks pay-per-view records or, I don't know, old UFC star fights another old UFC star. Just really bad boxing matchups. YouTubers, vloggers going against each other. I think, what's that rapper? Blueface had a bare-knuckle fight a couple months ago. So, I mean, this is what we're used to in boxing. And to finally get a good trilogy, especially in the heavyweight division, between two big-name guys, guys that are household names, was huge. One of the greatest trilogies you ever see. The first fight resulted in a draw, the second a knockout, the third a knockout. Tyson Fury remains victorious. And I predicted that would happen. Wilder's just not a refined boxer, doesn't have great footwork. The second fight was one of the worst beatdowns I've ever seen among two heavyweights between two contenders, I'll put it at that. And um, he clearly was still shaken up from that second fight. He did have his moments. He did knock, it, knock down Tyson Fury twice in the fourth round. But it was not enough to put the Gypsy King away. And uh, at the end of the day, I predicted Tyson Fury is going to retire. And the post-game, well, not post-game, post-fight, excuse me, conference there, um, he didn't really reveal what is next for him, which granted he is undeniably the best heavyweight. I mean, it's just a matter of people coming to him and like are looking for a fight. Who's going to step up? But um, I really thought that he was going to retire after this fight. What else does he have to prove? He's beaten the best heavyweight besides him in that division. And guys like Anthony Joshua, who's a U.K. fighter, who we that was originally the fight we were supposed to get until Deontay Wilder came in and said, yeah, I got this rematch clause here. I'm getting my rematch. Took it to court. And Joshua got beat since then. He doesn't have the belts anymore. Um, the only thing left for Fury is really to unify the belts against this Ukrainian. Alexander Yusik, who used to be a cruiserweight, a naturally smaller guy, I don't know what you're trying to prove there. I don't think there's really fight or really any kind of money there. Um, I'm anticipating we're going to hear a retirement announcement here soon, especially considering Joshua and Usyk have a rematch slated for next spring. I don't think you get a Fury-Joshua fight before then. Plus, Fury's in his early 40s. I'm anticipating a retirement, but even if you're not a boxing fan or you're trying to get into boxing, 
Definitely check out the Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder trilogy. One of the greatest trilogies of our era, of our time. It was that good. Moving on to a weekend worst to kind of close it out. Weekend worst. Bengals Packers, specifically the kickers. Now, the game wasn't all that bad, but I got to harp on the kickers here. Uh, what was the kicker? Mason Crosby, I believe his name is, for the uh, for the uh, Green Bay. The kicker for Green Bay missed three field goals and then eventually nailed the game winner. But that's not what I'm harping on here. Uh, Bengals kicker, rookie kicker. I, I His first name escapes me, but his last name is McPherson. At one point in overtime, thought he nailed a 49-yard field goal in overtime to win the game. And the rookie kicker, McPherson, thought he made it on the field and he started celebrating with his teammates until his teammates looked at him and they were like, dummy, you missed it. Dog. Yes, Evan McPherson. Thank you, D-Rock. You missed it, bruh. And then you could just visibly see the disappointment that set in on McPherson. I mean, I mean, just go back and watch it. Uh, treat yourself and watch that. One of the funniest you'll, things you'll see from the NFL yesterday it is kind of sad, but, you know, I got no sympathy sympathy, sympathy for these players. Excuse me. I got no sympathy for them. They're getting paid millions of dollars. I don't care. So what? It was just kind of fun to laugh at somebody else's pain. Dude, You could, at one point, he's throwing his hands up. He's excited. He's getting ready to celebrate with his teammates, and his teammates kind of, like, push him off like, dude, you missed it, man. Like, And then you could just see him like, oh, I can't believe I missed that. It's a lot of fun. Bengals end up losing that game also to the Packers, 25-22. But if you want to talk about a program that's been on the downtick in the NFL for years, and that finally seems like they're going to kind of starting to turn that corner, and there's kind of things are starting to go their way, it's the Cincinnati Bengals. And that's mainly because of one man, Joe Burrow. I mean, I even said it in his rookie year. And when you look back at his rookie year, the four or five games he played in before he got injured, he had the Bengals in almost every game. D-Rock just saw – he just saw the kicker miss the field goal. What do you think, D-Rock? First impressions. I need reactions here. <laughs> like the Fawn brothers here. He bounced it right off the top of the goalpost. Didn't even realize he missed it. Didn't even realize it. That's a good video, guys. You should go watch that. Yeah, it's great. But, yeah, I mean, Joe Burrow's got that team heading in the right direction. Even back to his rookie year and the games he played in, against some good teams, not always good teams, but some solid teams – he had them in the ball game, losing by a score in shootouts with a really bad Bengals team. And then he comes back this year. I really didn't think it was any surprise that the Bengals are, what, 3-2 and two now when we expect them to be a really bad football team? I, it's because of one man, Joe Burrow. And I'll even go as far as to say it, he has that Tom Brady mentality. Not saying he is Tom Brady. But he's got the mentality that he'll do whatever it takes to win, and he can build a winner. He makes the talent around him better. Jamar Chase went from being a guy that was dropping balls in preseason and that was explaining why he was dropping balls because of the stripes on the football. That's another thing you should check out. A NFL wide receiver complaining about the stripes on a football. There's no stripes on the football. That's why he can't catch an NFL ball. He took that guy and made him look like he's looking like a top-level receiver now. Like, that's a guy that will probably make the Pro Bowl this year. And I get it, the Pro Bowl is a joke, but when we look back to who's making the Hall of Fame, we do look at Pro Bowls. How many Pro Bowls has this guy made? So, 
Yeah, I mean, Joe Burrow, Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, at least that's a weekend winner when it comes to Cincinnati Bengals. They're, they're clearly trending in the right direction, as opposed to the Lions who, yeah, are in close games but are not finding ways to win them. And there are 0-5. You don't have to play a weekend winner for that, D-Rock. Trust me, you don't have to. Anyways, when we come back, we back to racket, wrap it up, uh, preview what's happening this week. Uh, we got AAC basketball media days and all that and more next on the stunning conclusion of the Patrick Johnson Show. Mornings and gold middays. Patrick Johnson on the way home. The best sports talk lineup in the Pirate Nation is heard right here. All right, let's go. 94.3 The Game, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates and Eastern North Carolina's home for sports. Woo-hoo! More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up. Fastest two hours in radio. Fastest two hours in radio. The award-winning Bushlight Pirate Game Day Countdown. With Patrick Johnson and ECU legend Terrence Copper. Counting down to kick off with all the info you need to get ready for game day. Grand 54! The Bushlight Pirate Game Day Countdown. Pirate Game Day Countdown. On 94.3 The Game and 94.3thegame.com. Atavola in Greenville is your local marketplace. Atavola offers diverse menu selections, casual lunches, and family meals ready to go. At Atavola, they specialize in the creative use of fresh ingredients, seasonal menu selections, and fun culinary creations from the kitchen that will satisfy even the pickiest taste buds. Treat yourself to lunch or dinner today at Atavola, and make sure to join them the second Wednesday of every month for their free wine tastings. Atavola Red Banks Road in Greenville. Is your pharmacy fumbling when it comes to customer service, prescription fills, compounding, medical equipment, and enteral intravenous therapy? Perhaps it's time for you to allow HealthWise Pharmacy to score a touchdown in regards to your pharmaceutical needs. Locally owned and operated by pharmacist Marcy Parker, HealthWise Pharmacy puts you and your health first, offering top-of-the-line customer service, individual attention, and free prescription delivery to anywhere in Pitt County. HealthWise Pharmacy, 615B Memorial Drive in Greenville. Dr. Philip Gold and Dr. Danielle Hofat, the specialist at Carolina Digestive Diseases and Endoscopy Center, want to keep you healthy. These two doctors provide personal consultations and offer treatment and quality care for all your GI needs. Just call the office at 252-758-8181. Appointments are always available within five business days. Hi, this is Dr. Philip Goldstein reminding you that a colonoscopy can save your life. Visit our website, cddgastro.com, and come see us at Carolina Digestive Diseases. This is Matt Murchison from Greenville Nissan. It's a fact. The Greenville Nissan's model year in sales event is back. And here's another fact. We have inventory on the ground to choose from while other dealerships don't. Plus, get 0% interest on 14 models, zero down payment, and the best trade offer in town. That's a fact, Jack. Don't believe me? Bring in your trade offer, and we will match it or beat it. Shop Greenville Nissan to see the redesigned 2022 Pathfinder. Great lease offers on the 2021 Nissan Sentra and Altima. Hurry in before the model year in sales event is over. Shop Greenville Nissan, where you can always expect miracles and now the stunning conclusion of the show it's the p-man here on 94.3 the game
Welcome back into the Patrick Johnson Show. Stunning conclusion of the Patrick Johnson Show. And I thought I forgot to throw it to you guys. Any weekend winners, weekend worse. It doesn't have to be sports related. I'm interested in what happened over the weekend with you guys. I don't have anything. Courtney, do you have anything? Dang, y'all are lame. We got nothing on the side lame. of the Anyways, moving on. Uh, I found this story on Twitter. <laughs> All right, now we're really getting off the rails. If we were still doing weekend winners, weekend worse, this would definitely be a worse. Uh, to make matters worse, worse with the Panthers, a couple Eagles fans um, were not arrested for this, but uh, were caught um, having relations in the bathroom at Bank of America Stadium. Um, somehow not arrested. There's pictures of them getting escorted out in cuffs. <laughs> Since y'all are not going to give me a weekend win or weekend worse, initial reactions and thoughts on that? I mean, <laughs> where do, what, do you, what do you say? I know we're on the air, but can you go into more detail about what ha- what they are having relations with? Uh, well, I think you know. What you... Should we just not touch that? I don't know, man. I I mean, I'm willing to touch it. Why not? They were engaging in intercourse, D Rock, on my home turf, the Vault Bank of America. I will say it also happened in Greenville on Fifth Street. Oh, oh, we're getting into some dirt here locally. All right, all right, Courtney. I didn't know you were also a TMZ reporter here. Jeez. All right. <laughs> yeah, well, how disrespectful Eagles fans are, man. I, Gosh, that, I hate it. That, that makes me hate it even more that we didn't get that win. Moving on, we got some Monday night football tonight. Colts-Ravens uh, expected to kick off tonight at 820. Um, the current line for that game, or the current spread for that game is the Ra- Ravens 7.5. Um, I actually got the Colts covering that. Not only do I have the Colts covering that, I have them winning that game, specifically because the Ravens have not looked good to me, especially on offense. They haven't impressed me. I think the fact that they lost pretty much all of their running backs, Gus Edwards, um, I, Tyson Williams, I think, is their start running back now, but Gus Edwards, um, who's the guy, J.K. Dobbins, and I know there was another running back that they wanted to get involved, all got hurt. That's a big part of their offensive like scheme and attack. And it's clearly like showed that it's really hindered them in the offense. Lamar hasn't looked as great to me as he has looked in the past. I definitely don't think he's the MVP candidate this year, like many people are saying. And um, that whole team, you know, they're beatable. They're very beatable. They are not Super Bowl contenders like people would say years before. And the Colts are coming off a tough stretch. Had some tough games. Had a tough schedule. Um, Carson Wentz hasn't looked great. I know he's a little banged up. But I think that Colts defense is enough to kind of suppress the Ravens offense and pull out a win. And I think the Colts rushing ability, mainly from Jonathan Taylor, who is a bad man. That is a guy we're not talking about when it comes to the top running backs in this league. I think him alone is enough to get it done and cover the spread and beat the Ravens. Which doesn't matter because we're not a betting state. But maybe soon. Maybe one day. We're getting there. According to legislation, we're getting there. So... Yeah. Anyways, a lot in store for this week. Uh, my man, the ref, Philip Pilkington, set to be my co-host around Wednesday till Friday. Plenty in store. I know he's getting back from Boston. He got to see uh, the Red Sox in the playoffs. Uh, we're planning on talking a little Panthers, maybe some Panthers-related guests, talking a little NASCAR, a little change of pace there. Change of pace, is that a NASCAR? Uh, is that a little NASCAR? Uh, what's the term? I'm at a loss for words. Who knows? We're going off the rails there, but. Maybe even a little bit of Washington football team. I know that's a team that 
It's got some regional appeal around here. I mean, it's either Panthers or Redskins around here. Excuse me, football team. Sorry. and Or the Cowboys, but we ain't talking no Cowboys. All that and much more here all this week. Also, American Athletic Conference Basketball Media Days. Joe Dooley's got a completely different squad. No Jaden Gardner. Winston Tabb's now in for ECU. Expected to be the guy. Expected to be a really great three-point shooter. I mean, that's something that ECU basketball has notoriously lacked in the past few years. We'll see how much this team has improved. We'll hear from Coach Dooley and much more this week here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Your man B-Baby. That was my man D-Rock on the ones and twos. And intern Courtney standing by. This was the Patrick Johnson Show.